Today is the last Sunday to be registering for Serve at Home, which will happen on August 4 through 8. This is an intergenerational event, which means it's not just for our young people. It's for everybody. And so be sure that you get signed up if you're able to do that. The fun thing, the culmination of it is going to be on August 8, when we will have our worship and um, our church picnic. So we will be at Fairwoods for both events, which will be a really fun time. We're hoping to have the boat races happening during the picnic as well. Uh, so we will be meeting at Fairwoods at 9.30, starting with coffee, and our worship will be at 10 o'clock. So we're switching things up a little bit. Um, also, I'm sure Shirley would love some help with some of the planning and executing of the picnic. So please see Shirley DeVries if you are able to help out with any of those things. Also, this morning we will be celebrating the Lord's Supper. So if you did not receive any elements when you came in, please be sure to pick those up. If you are worshiping with us online, um, make sure that you get something too for yourself when you are at home. I think I just started a little bit early. I think that's why everybody's coming in. But that's okay. We can still come in and worship together. That is all that I have this morning. So why don't we quiet our hearts in a time of prayer. Fill our worship with grace, Lord Jesus Christ, that every thought, word, and deed may be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I invite you to rise now in body or in spirit for our call to worship. Sing praises to God, O you saints, and give thanks to God's holy name. We exalt you, O God, for you have restored us to life. We may cry through the night, but your joy comes with us the morning. You hear us, O oh God, and you are gracious in our distress. You turn our mourning into dancing. Our souls cannot be silent. O oh my God, our Savior, we give thanks to you forever. Amen. Let's sing.
redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. your love that is ever ready to welcome sinners. We praise you that in Jesus Christ you came to us with forgiveness and that by your Holy Spirit you move us to repent and receive your love. Though we are sinners, God, you are faithful and worthy of all praise. We praise you, great God, in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And friends, in that spirit of forgiveness, I say to you, the peace of Christ be with you. Let's extend that peace to each other. Can we have all the kiddos come up so we can send them down to Kid Street?
People of God, what is our prayer? Go in peace to love and serve Jesus. Good morning. My name is Matthew. I'm the senior pastor here at Pleasant Street. For those of you whom I've not had the pleasure to meet yet, and I have the privilege of leading us in a congregational prayer this morning. If you are just joining us, over the summer we've been looking at the book of the Psalms, in particular Psalms along the way. One of the things that we've noticed is that these Psalms are prayer masters, and we have been trying to learn what they say, but also to wonder about what it would be like to apprentice ourselves to them, to let them teach us how to speak to God. And so we'll continue that together this morning. I'm going to use Psalm 30 as a template for our prayers together now. I have one note to highlight for you as we gather up uh, Praises and concerns to offer up to God. This comes from Melissa and Paulette, whose family we've been praying for. We've heard some recent tragic news about a twist in her cancer journey, and it seems as though she may not have very long. And so we will continue to pray for her and her family. Let's do so together now. Faithful God, we come to you to worship today, even as we bring our fears and sin to be confessed before you, our forgiving God. We also bring all our needy emotions and anxiety because we need your help and blessing. We come asking that you would forgive us of all our sin that the moment of your anger and judgment would pass and we would know again the abundance and lasting of your love for us. We ask that you would guide and help us along life's pathway, that through all the things that we walk through in this life, that we would know that we can call out to you and that you will be our help. Each day, We want to love, obey, and serve you, O God, and so hear us, Lord, and have mercy on us. Be our help, O Lord. We bring you a world full of needs and fears and anxieties. We lift up to you the people of Haiti, reeling from the assassination of their president, Jovenel Moise. We pray for his wife, who's lost her husband and who herself was wounded. We pray for Haiti, rife with conflict. We pray for our sisters and brothers there in churches. We ask that you would fill them with your spirit and use them as witnesses and instruments of your peace, O God. Please bring stability to that country. We pray for the people of Myanmar as it battles a massive COVID surge while also facing the fallout of a military coup. Lord God, we call to you for help on behalf of the people of Myanmar. Please Bring up the suffering from the realm of the dead. Spare the innocent from political prison and virus and tribunal. We lift up to those as to we lift up those who are recovering and rebuilding after flooding in eastern China and in India. Hear the cries of your people there and of your world as it groans. Closer to home, we pray for those fleeing from wildfires in western Canada and California, Oregon, and Washington. Protect them, O God. We pray, too, for those who fight the fires. Protect them, too, and give them wisdom to put out the fires quickly, O Lord. Here in the life of our congregation, we lift up to you Lillian, who has received better clarity after some test results and a hospital stay. Please bring healing into her life, O God. We pray as well for all those who are healing from recent surgeries or anticipating those. We pray and we lift up Lauren, Tanya's father, as he awaits clarity on a cancer diagnosis. We pray for Jen as she waits for news and clarity about her hip and the possibility of surgery. We pray for Thalia's mother, Henny, as she begins radiation this week. 
We pray for those who are healing, whether from routine or unexpected surgeries as well. We call out to you also on behalf of those who grieve recent deaths in their families. And Lord, we plead to you on behalf of Melissa. We ask, O oh God, that you would draw near to her in your favor as she walks through the valley of the shadow of death. Be merciful to her and to Paulette and to her boys, O oh Lord. Be their help, O oh God. Attentive, God, we come to worship you and to give thanks for the many blessings we receive from you each day. We confess that we take these blessings for granted as if we had deserved any of them through our own efforts. Holy One, how often we congratulate ourselves that the privileges we accept are our right, but when suddenly they vanish and we hit rock bottom, when you remove your hand, when your face turns from us, we are reminded that they were all gifts from your hand anyway. Restoring God and confident hope and trust, we come to worship you because you listen to us. You hear and respond to our cries. We give thanks to you, God, because each of us has known some measure of healing. and We have known the blessing of your favor as we worship you. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing of so much rain which waters the ground and brings new life in the form of food and flowers, lush trees, we ask that you would also send rain to places that are dry and desperate in need of it too. Lord, we give you thanks for the Olympics and the Paralympics, especially in a time of such division, to be able to see athletes from all over the world partnering and competing in a common ring. We pray that you would use the measures of safety and wise procedures, vaccines and masks to protect these people from illness and from virus and also from injury. We ask, O oh God, that through the Olympics, we might glimpse something we can hold in common in this fractious world. Speaking of common good, we thank you, Lord, for serve as we anticipate another year of trying to find ways to bless Whitensville and Northbridge in the name of Jesus. Be with all those who lead and plan. Be with all those who will lift up their hands or tools to the work. So fill us with your spirit that people might see something of you through our work and so that we might have an opportunity to speak to the hope that lives within us. Transforming God, in celebration of your forgiving mercies, we come to offer our worship and praises for all your generous gifts to us of a renewed faith and trust in your mighty acts of grace. Speak to us as we sit beneath your word. Feed us as we sit at the table that you have made for us with bread and wine. When we cry out to you, you listened and acted to transform our lives and our broken relationships into joy and peace. For these blessings, we give our thanks. For you have turned our mourning into joyful dancing and clothed us with joy that we might sing praises to you and not be silent. O oh Lord, our God, we will always give you our thanks forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Psalm 30. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead you spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountains stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What is gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my, Lord my God, I will praise you forever. This is the word of the Lord. Me again. Good to see you from this vantage point as well. Friends, as we uh, get ready to hear from the Lord, would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, we come to you yet again 
having prayed, having just heard your words spoken over us, we offer our response to you and we ask, Lord, that you would take these words in Psalm 30 and by your Holy Spirit that you would um, place them within us that they would become like seeds planted in the soil of our hearts which you have tilled and prepared, that you would use these words like a candle in the dark or a flashlight to open our minds to understanding in places where we are afraid and alone, that you would use these words like a pattern to help us to know where to go next in our own lives. We believe that you can do all this and even more than we ask or can even imagine through your grace and mercy expressed to us in your kindness through Jesus. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's good to be back with you after some time away, but the time was good too. One of the wonderful things about vacation is that it gives us an opportunity to worship with other congregations. Because, like, for some reason, I'm usually busy on Sunday mornings. (laughs) Anyway, while we were away, we had a chance to visit with this lovely little Bible church one of the Sundays that we were gone, friendly, warm bunch in another state. Apparently, they had had a uh, pastoral intern for that year, and he was coming to the very end of his internship, and he was going to preach that Sunday that we were there. The sermon was on 1 John, lots of great stuff about the love of God in there. But there was a small sub-point in that sermon that particularly caught my attention, in part because he kind of kept circling back to it. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you where, like, there's a throwaway comment that you want to make, but then you somehow get stuck on the throwaway comment, and then, you know, it kind of becomes the point. (laughs) Diana could probably say, yeah, that was kind of the theme of the first couple of years of your preaching. Um, (laughs) Anyway, well, as it sometimes happens, the sub-point became the point that Sunday, uh, and the point was this, right, that it's not enough to be grateful to God for what he's done. How about that? Gratitude is not enough. And I actually don't think he meant to press the point, but the problem is he kept saying it. And part of me felt a little bit like Inigo Montoya in The Princess Bride. You know the scene where Vizzini tries to cut the rope on the prince, and then he finds out uh, that he's survived, he's climbing up the mountain, and Vizzini says, inconceivable! Right? And, and Ego says, you keep using that word. I do not think that word means what you think it means. Right? He kept saying, gratitude is not enough. And I kept thinking, I do not think that word means what you think it means. Right? Actually, to be completely honest, it really got me thinking. I mean, how well do I understand gratitude? How much do I practice it? You see, in the Reformed tradition that our church is a part of, gratitude is this big, big, expansive word for us. Right? If you've ever heard or read anything in the Heidelberg Catechism, you might know that the Catechism makes a huge deal out of gratitude. When it comes to defining what it means to be a Christian, the Catechism says it's gratitude. Right? What sets us apart in the world around us Question and answer 116 says that it's the words that we say in thanks to God and praise. Gratitude like that is the kind that we find in the prayer of thanks and praise in Psalm 30. Psalm 30 is this beautiful and heartfelt prayer of thanks and praise to God. You could call it a testimony. It's a textbook example of how to say thank you. But it's actually so much more than that, too. Right? As one Bible thinker described it, Psalm 30 captures the heart of what it means to be a Christian. So a Christian is is someone with something to say. Something to say to God in thanks and praise. And it's specific. It's a story. And a Christian is someone with something to say about God to others, about what God has done for them. Well, this kind of gratitude is the furthest thing that you could imagine from perfunctory prayer or punctilious words, right? It is thanks that that spirals up 
into heartfelt adoration. Friends, you don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to shout. But gratitude does need to move your heart. This kind of gratitude means acknowledging gifts from God who is the giver, but, but more than that, also beginning to lose ourselves in wonder and adoration for who God is and not just what he has done. This is gratitude. Thanks that leads to praise and praise that leads to lives that spill over in love. Why is gratitude so important to our tradition in the scriptures? Well, because, well, because gratitude shapes uh, disposition of joy. In his travelogue, Travels with Charlie, John Steinbeck writes about traveling across the United States with his dog, which is actually named Charlie, in case that wasn't obvious, right? Near the beginning of his trip, Steinbeck stops outside of Bangor, Maine, and he rents a room at an auto court. The sign said, greatly reduced winter rates. <laughs> After checking into his plastic-covered hotel room, Steinbeck decides to pop into the attached restaurant. He's the only customer. A waitress with a sponge-off apron comes to take his order. Steinbeck describes her as listless and vacant-staring. She wasn't happy, and she wasn't unhappy. She wasn't anything. After a depressing interaction with her, he writes, Strange how one person can saturate a room with vitality, with excitement, and then there are others, and this dame was one of them, who can drain off energy and joy, can suck pleasure dry, and get no sustenance from it. Such people spread a grayness in the air about them. Steinbeck might be describing New England. I don't know, haven't lived here long enough yet. You'd have to tell me. He's definitely describing the 20th century. But actually, he's describing a lot more, isn't he? He's describing what is often characteristic of our spiritual life. So much of my life, our lives, is spent in this kind of miserable malaise of being half-heartedly alive. We're not happy. We're not unhappy. We're not really anything. The Psalms assert to us that gratitude to God is how we get free of this malaise of joylessness. C.S. Lewis once put it like this. If God is the great object of admiration behind all other beauties and magnificence, then to praise and admire God is simply to be awake, to have entered the real world. Heartfelt praise and adoration seems to be where the psalmist wants to go, to wake up, to be fully alive. But of course, simply saying we ought to praise the Lord and live in gratitude only really reinforces how little we do, doesn't it? I mean, to highlight the rich and specific language of gratitude that Christians can muster only shows how seldom we call upon it. It's not that God isn't good or holy or almighty, but often more the case that we're just not moved by it. Which is why I am grateful for Psalm 30. Because Psalm 30 testifies to the power of our words of thanks and praise to help us move to a place of adoration. But more importantly, Psalm 30 gives us a glimpse of the spiritual work involved of how you get there. It tells the story that we've been telling all summer, a story of orientation, of disorientation, of reorientation. And Psalm 30 shows us how our journey through life being okay and then falling apart and then coming back together again, it shows us how that journey through this malaise and anguish and despair can arrive at a place of awe. It doesn't begin with a command to praise the Lord, but with a heartfelt determination that the psalmist wants to get to a place where they can praise the Lord. 
I will exalt the Lord. Not I am exalting. I will. You can almost hear the determination in the centuries of psalmists who have prayed in these footsteps. Sometimes the distance between I will and, and I am is very great indeed. But the journey begins, of, of all things, by looking back. The psalmist resolved to exalt the Lord looks back over his or her life and sees other times where he was low in the depths. But God never let the psalmist get low enough to a point where enemies could gloat. Rather, God heard and God helped. God raised the psalmist up again like drawing a bucket up from a deep, dark well. The psalmist moves forward by reaching back for a testimony to how God has helped in their life in the past. The psalmist reaches back for his story. A time when you were being ground down with fear and a friend called you on the phone and said, I happen to be in the neighborhood. Do you mind if I drop by? And you know that being in the neighborhood required a 50-mile drive. Somehow God lifted you up on their visit. A time when, when grief threatened to sink you and then there was a car that came with the postal service that day. It said, I'm thinking of you. I'm praying for you. And through it, God raised your spirits just a little. That time when you seemed lost in your own words and then all of a sudden you read a line of scripture and God seemed to have found you with some of his. These are some of our stories of what God has done, stories that are ripe to pluck for praise because they are about specific times when we needed specific help and God helped. I wonder, is there a story that comes to mind? Can you think of one just now? There was a time years ago when a woman walked up to me, knocked on my door with a story about her mom who had cancer. She would often tell me about how her mom was doing. Sometimes she would do that at the most inconvenient times. Ironically, one day she did it while I was trying to write a Thanksgiving sermon. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to talk about gratitude, and then she walked up to me in my fog. She knocked on my door, and she told me that her mom had had surgery, and for the moment, the cancer was gone. Praise the Lord. And then she said... I wanted you to know. See, that's the thing about stories like this, isn't it? Sometimes, sometimes we make the mistake of, of treating them like they're just my story or it's just your story, when in fact they are God's stories. And the thing about God's stories in our lives is that they always spill over. They are delight and joy that simply can't be contained. They're like good news that is so fragrant, so beautiful, so satisfying that you can't simply not talk about it. Is there a story that comes to mind? Can you think of one just now? In verse 1 through 3 of Psalm 30, the psalmist remembers his story of how God raised him up and how God heard, and it turns the psalmist to God with joy. And then in verse 4 and 5, the psalmist actually turns to everyone else gathered around him in wonder and delight. The praise giver turns and invites us to join in on the praises. Sing the praise of God. Praise God's strange and mysterious way of moving in this world. Isn't it a wonder? There are moments when it seems like he has abandoned you. But then the truth gives way to the fact that his love for us is as wide and deep and mysterious as the sea. The psalmist turns to us. Hasn't knowing God in our suffering somehow changed the suffering? Hasn't knowing God given you hope that the morning always comes, no matter how heavy the sobs, somehow there is always a dawn? Friends, somehow morning always comes. And God can make the sound of wailing change key into a song of rejoicing. Haven't you found this to be true? Is there a story that comes to mind? Can you think of one just now? 
And gratitude being what it is, thanksgiving begets praise, and his praise begets our praise. And then the psalmist goes back once more in verse 6 through 10 to tell the whole story all over again. Augustine was the one who, who pointed out that when something gives you joy, it's never enough just to say it once. And so the psalmist tells the story again. Everything in my life was in order. I had everything I wanted. Life was going fine for me, and I had no reason to think that would ever change. But then my world fell apart, and I didn't know which end was up. It seemed like even God had turned away from me, and I was dismayed. I was disoriented. I couldn't see God's face. But God, you heard. You helped. I was turning back into dust on the ground. I was becoming as silent as a graveyard. But you heard. You helped. You breathed new life. You gave me a new orientation on the world. You made me human again and put words of praise back in my mouth. And now praise is my tune forever. The psalm moves from the emptiness of having nothing to say to the new life of something to say, from anguish to awe, from death to life. And Eugene Peterson, in his book, Answering God, said this about that kind of movement. He wrote, all prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. Any prayer, no matter how desperate its origin, no matter how angry and fearful the experiences it traverses, ends up in praise. It does not always get there quickly or easily. The trip can take a lifetime. But the end is always praise. Don't rush it. It may take years before certain prayers arrive at the alleluias, but prayer is always reaching toward praise, and it will finally arrive there. Do you have a story that comes to mind? Can you think of one just now? Of course, we don't have to reach very far for one at all, do we? We don't have to dig around for a dramatic one. We gathered here in this room and online Right here, right now, we are the story. Through Jesus Christ, we have been written into God's grand story of salvation. Without it, none of us would be here. It began with God creating the world out of nothing and filling the silence with the sound of birds singing and the lap of waves on the shore. And it continued with God creating new life out of Abram and Sarai, who were as good as dead. And it continues with Jesus rescuing us when we were dead. We were dead in our sins and transgressions. We were living under God's wrath, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive while we were dead. In Jesus, God has raised us up. And through Jesus, God has canceled the charge against us, nailing it to the cross, even now, through the Holy Spirit, we are being raised from sorrow. Because God turned his face away from Jesus on the cross. And so we are seen and heard. And now each of us is a little story of redemption. We are, each one of us, testimonies to the fact that in this world, God hears God helps. God turns mourning into dancing and clothes us with joy in his own time and in his own way. God breathes life into tired lungs to keep praying until the day when even the deepest laments become unhindered praise. Alleluia. Praise the Lord and give thanks. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you for the Psalms, which give us permission to know that all that we experience in this world can be brought to you and spoken about. Thank you, too, for the Psalms, which teach us that life is not necessarily a plodding course straight down the middle, 
but is a path full of twists and turns, a path that covers the depths of our questions and doubts and the heights of unexpected praise for your goodness. That is good news for us, for the lives that we lead are not straight down the middle, but are full of questions and doubts, full of laments and longings and the unexpected signs of your grace that shows up in our lives. Help us to know that these words in the Psalms are our words. Please teach us how to use them to talk to you. Now as we come to your table, which you have prepared with everything we need, make our hearts ready with joy and gratitude for what you have done for us. Amen. Friends, I'd invite you to rise in body or in spirit as we prepare ourselves for what God has prepared for us, how deep the Father's love for us. We began this morning invited into God's presence to praise to praise the Lord all the Almighty, right? 
And then we were reminded why. Because we were slaves, we were captives to death itself. And through what Jesus has done for us, we have been set free. We have savored that news as God proclaimed it over us. But now we get to taste it too. Because we have come to the table, the Lord's table. And Jesus has done everything needed to sit at this table. So whether you are at home gathered around your table, around bread and juice or wine and elements that you have put together, or whether we are at this table, which our elders have put together, it is the Lord's table. And everything is ready. So come now with gladness and pray with me. Friends, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Let's pray together. We lift our hearts and souls to you, Lord God, for you made creation out of nothing. And in Abraham, you called a people to be your own. You crafted a destiny for your children from the barrenness of despair and the wilderness of sin. You made an everlasting covenant that bound you and humanity to be one with, the, one with another forever. In Jesus, you made a new covenant that embodied our presence before you and your full presence before us. So we gladly thank you with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven proclaiming your unending praise, saying together, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Uniting God, you bind yourself to us in Christ's death, and you bind us to yourself in Christ's resurrection. In him we are dead to sin and alive to you. Send now your Holy Spirit upon us and upon this meal in his presence and memory, that we might be ransomed, healed, restored, and forgiven people, delivered from the curse of all slavery. And that this bread and wine may be for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who, at supper with his disciples, gave us this memorial of his sacrifice until he comes again. On the night of his arrest, the Lord Jesus took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this to remember me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks to God, he gave it to them, saying, This cup this cup is the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood and poured out for you and for many. Whenever you drink it, do this to remember me. For friends... Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Great is the mystery of faith. Together, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Jealous God, you want us for yourself, and you shape all of our loves in the refining fire of your love for us and for this world. Give your consolation to all who live with no peace but only a sword. Dwell with those who find their household divided, son against father, mother against daughter, and any who find it hard to love you and cherish their family members too. Restore your church that we may discover you on the way of the cross and find our life by losing it for your sake until the day when you are the joy of our desiring and we are the joy of yours. When every eye shall behold you and every tongue confess you as Lord, one and holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Congregation and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has prepared this table for all those who love and trust in him alone. All who are sorry for their sins, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who desire to live in obedience to him are invited to come now with gladness to the table of the Lord. For friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. 
We'll be taking communion this morning using the single-serve packets, as Becky reminded us at the start of our worship. Note that we were running low, so you may have a different one than the one that I have up here, but the concept is the same. We're going to go ahead and open the bread side uh, first. Brothers and sisters, take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Savior Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. If you would, go ahead and open the other side. Brothers and sisters, take, drink, remember and believe that the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ was shed for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. When we take this bread and juice, I often think about the fact that it's just a little bit of bread and it's just a little bit of juice. And it seems like what God wants to give us is a great big meal, so how can that work? When we worship, it is God's promises that become so real that they nourish us, right? And so this is just a piece of bread, and this is juice. Because the Holy Spirit is here, God turns through these things, his promises, into a great big meal of faith for us. And that begins to overflow into generous lives, which is why after communion, Normally, we would have a chance to um, give for our offerings. Because of COVID, we're not able to do that in the way we usually would by passing baskets. But we still have opportunity to respond to God, whether by dropping off checks at the box in the front, donating online, or dropping your checks off at the church uh, during the week. So that is still part of our worship together. And having been fed, having responded to God, would you please rise I have a call and a blessing for you. As you have been fed at this table, go feed the hungry. And where to find bread? As you have been set free, go give freedom to the imprisoned. Where to find release? As you have received, give. As you have been loved, love. Lord, we have worshipped you and tasted your love. Lord, as we leave this place and go to our schools, to our homes, and to work, bless us and be near us so that we may feel your presence in all that we do. And friends, would you receive God's blessing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. Amen. Let's go singing. We will remember. Show us your grace. 
Said you love me, would never leave me, and I. 